0: to become a part of our church family and so one of the things this guy made me think about was well start thinking now what do you want to see here with the people who are moving in our community is going to change so we need to change too and we need to be ready for that and so I just encourage you pray let's start praying now let's start thinking now about the changes now I know you know we can't Clearly, see how it's going to change or exactly what it's going to look like. But let's begin now, as we pray, envisioning who we need to become to be obedient to God and serve Him in these coming days. Because it is an opportunity. Although we are not crazy, I understand about the fact of some of these changes. God can work through us in the midst of those changes to bring people to Christ, to add to our wonderful um, church, uh, and you know we need to be we need to be praying now for that. And uh, uh, quite honestly, it got me thinking. I'm, I'm going to this week try to get a hold of the associational mission director in the Cherokee area and try to find out you know because they've been through this there's a casino in Cherokee and you know to 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 get some ideas and some wisdom in that so i encourage you guys this is not just me this is us how does god want to use us and, and the reason i just shared this too is this message this morning deals with being a witness you know last week it, we're in the same scripture that we looked at last week which is second corinthians chapter 5 And there was this story. Like I said, it is easy for a preacher to preach that account because it talks about a man who was leprous. And in the Scriptures, leprosy is a picture of sin. You're isolated because of the disease and the fear that others have of catching that disease. And that disease will ultimately lead not only in isolation, but it will lead to eventual death. And so will sin. And we all have this sin, disease, and yet we are called to be witnesses. And we're going to look at this morning the story that is often missed in the story. There is this obvious story of of this man who was healed by uh, being dipped in the river, Jordan River, seven times. But within that story, there is a young girl with childlike faith who was a witness. And and that's what we're going to look at. I'm going to ask you to you haven't already, open your Bibles to 2 Kings chapter 5, and I just want to read verses 2 and 3, which was part of last week's passage. Now bands from Aram had gone out and had taken captive a young girl from Israel, and she served Naaman's wife. She said to her mistress, If only my master would see the prophet who is in Samaria, he would cure him of his leprosy. Let's pray. God, your word says to come as a little child. That is how we enter the kingdom of God. And we thank you for the example of this little child, Lord. How she shared boldly her faith. And Father, I pray that as we look at her example, that the spirit of God might speak to me, might speak to us about also not being ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God that brings salvation to everyone who believes, and that includes me. And So, Father, I pray that through this message, you might be free to speak and that we might be moved, uh, not according to what I say, but by what you say through the Holy Spirit. And so, Father, we need you. Speak to us, Lord, because the message is life. And, and so speak, in Christ's name we pray, amen. We say, well, I couldn't do that. Look, God used a little child. We're going to look at that this morning so he can use you. No matter how weak you may think you are, how inadequate, how untrained, this is a little child. And God used this child. Um, I want to start in a magazine a number of years ago. They had asked a bunch of children about love. Romantic love and ask some questions about their understanding of that love. And I want to share some of these responses with you this morning as we open the message. One child was asked, How does love happen? One little girl said, No one knows for sure, but I think it has something to do with how you smell. A little boy responded, I think you're supposed to get shot with an arrow, but the rest isn't supposed to be as painful. They were also asked, what's love like? A little boy said, it's like an avalanche, and you run for your life. Another boy said, next to baseball, it's the most important thing in the world. What does it take to be in love? A little girl said, one of you should know how to write a check, because even if you have tons of love, there are still going to be a lot of bills. Hmm. Another girl said, I'm not rushing into it. Fourth grade is hard enough. How do you encourage somebody to love you? Well, this six-year-old boy answered, Tell the girl you own a candy store. Atticus was that one. Um Little boys must think girls' hearts are won by food. Another boy said, Take the girl out to eat and make sure it's something she likes. French fries work for me. Yeah, me too, kid. Uh, now, here is a deep response from a boy. Don't do things like wear smelly sneakers. You might get attention but attention isn't the same as love. Hmm. How do you make love last? A little boy said, be a good kisser. She'll forget you never take out the trash. Uh, okay. Little little Aaron would say, uh, and I, I'd love to know the background to this this one, don't forget your wife's name. That always messes things up. <laughs> and lastly, One other boy said, spend most of your time loving your wife instead of going to work. Oh, boy, okay. Um, You know, it's interesting. As you look in the Bible, there are several accounts where someone young made a great impact by being obedient to God. We're told that David was just a youth when he faced Goliath, this massive man with his little sling, but he came in the courage that God provided. And we know what happened. Bam! Well, I got this mask on. I can't do that. <laughs> and, and hit this guy right between the eyes. And it was over. We know that Samuel was just a little guy when he corrected Eli, the priest. We know that Timothy was a young boy. And the scriptures tell us that He had learned the scriptures from his grandmother and his mother, and he understood them. So a a little child can have understanding of the scriptures, and that is certainly such an encouragement. And then in today's story, the story within the story, there is this little girl who is a powerful witness. And we're going to look at her this morning in detail. Um, To begin with just a little bit of a review. The chapter opens up with this valiant warrior, this military commander named Naaman, who was greatly respected in his land. He was a war hero, and everybody looked to him. I mean, in present-day language, he would be all over the tabloids, all over social media and his picture would be common and people would certainly recognize who he was but all that would change instantly because he contracted a disease called leprosy and and once you you get leprosy you you become isolated people don't come near you it is a death sentence it is not only physically destructive but emotionally and mentally destructive as people avoid you so here's this guy he went from being the one who killed king ahab he um, he he went from this hero to what he was known by now was he's a leper you see all the young soldiers who looked at naaman and said i want to be like him I want to be able to fight like him. I want to be this brilliant military strategist like him. Now, they no longer honored him, but they pitied him. I can get close to him. Man, I'm glad. I'm glad I'm not like Naaman. And we looked at that last week, and God brought healing to Naaman's life. But an instrumental part of this story is, is this little slave girl. And she is described here. Let's look back at the scripture. We're told that there were bands from Aram. This would be like guerrilla warfare. (laughs) These guys were able to drop in in a moment and be able to not be noticed and to do their work and leave. And they dropped in this village where this girl lived. And we're not told specifically what happened to her family. But what we are told is that she was yanked away from her family. And she was taken back to enemy territory. So she left her family. She left her village. All that she had known. And now she was placed in a strange land. And it doesn't give us details, but ultimately she must have been in the town square being sold as a slave and to her horror she ends up in the family of the most evil tyrant to Israel Naaman this valiant warrior who's the ultimate enemy and she would serve Naaman's family specifically Naaman's wife what a horror that must have been for her, the difficulty of it. And I want you to just look here uh, in the outline, a couple of truths about her. She showed compassion. Now, think about this. After what I just said, she's been ripped away from family. She's in a strange land. She's being forced to serve a family that she doesn't care about, but she does care about. You see, I can imagine if it had been me I can imagine laying in bed at night, quietly squinting through my teeth, speaking, saying, "Boy, I'm glad he's got leprosy. I hope he's got a slow, painful death because he has ruined my life. And yet there's no sign here of bitterness from this little girl. It's amazing. It's incredible what she says. Look again in in verse 3 of our text. She said to her mistress, If only my master would see the prophet who is in Samaria, he would cure him of his leprosy. She shows compassion to her enemies. God has given her a compassionate heart for her captors. (laughs) And instead of thinking, boy, you deserve this, instead she said, I know where you can find compassion. I know where healing is available. This is Jesus weeping over Jerusalem. Remember, they rejected Him. They yelled, Crucify Him! Send Him to the cross! (laughs) And yet Jesus wept over Jerusalem. He described them as sheep without a shepherd. The thief dying on the cross. And yet Jesus looked at this thief who who deserved the punishment he received, and he said, Today you will be with me in paradise. It is the ultimate compassion of Christ. As it says in Romans 5, 8, God demonstrates his own love toward us in this, that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. God doesn't wait for us to clean up. He shows up. That's what the cross is about. He, he showed up and he ministered and did what no one else could do. He died for us that we might have everlasting life. Josephus, the historian, said this about lepers. He said, The Israelite lepers were not allowed inside the city at all, nor were they allowed to live with anyone else, as if they were in fa- fact dead. And yet this one, others would say, I forget him. He's a casualty of this dreaded disease. But this little slave girl says, no, there is healing available for you. And that brings us to the second quality, which is faith. The amazing faith of this little girl. (laughs) He said, if you would go to this prophet, Elisha, you would be healed. And what an amazing what an amazing declaration that that was i mean think about where she is it would be very easy for her to say god why am i here why did this happen to me are my parents even alive will i ever see my home I can't believe these captors. I can't believe I'm forced to serve them. She could have become bitter. But that is not what has happened here. She still has faith in Yahweh. She still has faith in the prophet Elisha. She still believes in God. It's a beautiful testimony and it demonstrates her faith in tough times. So often we are so prone to give up so easily. Instead we need to be like this little one who said even though... I don't understand it doesn't mean God has abandoned me. He still loves me. Uh, turn with me to Luke chapter 4. I want to share with you a scripture that I think even amplifies the faith of this little girl. Pretty amazing stuff. Uh, Jesus is hes preaching, teaching about something else. But in verses 25 through 27... He says something that pertains to uh, this little girl, I believe. Uh, I'm going to read. This is uh, Luke four twenty five 25-27. I assure you that there were many widows in Israel in Elijah's time when the sky was shut for three and a half years and there was a severe famine throughout the land. Yet Elijah was not sent to any of them, but to a widow in Zarephath in the region of Sidon, And there were many in Israel with leprosy in the time of Elisha the prophet. Yet not one of them was cleansed, only Naaman the Syrian. Did you catch it? In other words, she had never heard any testimonies of a leper being cleansed and healed through the work of the prophet Elisha. Why? Because there hadn't been any. There was no marker to go by to say, I'm going to look over here to this leper who had been cleansed, who had been healed, who had been made whole, because there were no examples of that. It would be like going to a surgeon and listening to the consultation, and after hearing this, well, let's see, I've had 72 operations of people who have this issue, and all 72 died. And then saying, well, I trust you, that I'm going to live, that I am going to survive. Having faith in what we cannot see, a substance of things that are hoped for, the hope that is found in God himself. For us, the hope that is found in Jesus Christ. And notice she didn't say in the text here, this little girl did not say, well, um, if you go to Elisha, God's spokesman, I think you might find healing. Or I'm hopeful. Nobody's been healed yet, but, you know, there's always a first time. And Elisha is improving as a prophet. And I think this is the time you go and you find healing because you've got to be the one. None of that stuff. She just says, go. Go to God's man and God will move. God will provide Healing. Now, some application. Uh, first, I want to begin with a couple of misconceptions about being an effective witness. The first one is this being an effective witness requires tremendous public exposure. So, what do we typically think? Well, you know, the great witness is the one who speaks to a lot of people the one who has a great platform, the one who has a voice that, that carries um, be beyond a, a little place, but is heard by the crowds. And yet, this, this little girl, she, she didn't have a large crowd. As a matter of fact, we don't know if she ever met the king. We don't know if Naaman ever said, Hey, honey, get up here and and, uh, share your testimony. None of that. We don't know any of that. As a matter of fact, there is nothing in the Scripture that tells us that she was ever freed from being a slave. There was a famine in the land, and there is nothing in the text that tells us that that ever changed. People were still hungry. No sweeping revival is recorded. As a matter of fact, in the next chapter of 2 Kings, we're told that the Syrian king plots to invade Israel and capture Elisha. And yet in all of this, this little girl is faithful. She still believes. It's powerful. You know, one of the... um, Words that are used to describe a faithful witness in the scripture is salt. We are called to be salt. You know, salt is nearly invisible when it is sprinkled on the food, but it makes a great impact. Salt does not argue with the hand of the master about when it is to sprinkle, where it is to be sprinkled, and how much of it is going to be sprinkled. It simply falls onto the place where it is sprinkled and brings taste where there has previously been no taste. Now, I think of Psalm 34, 8 that says, Taste and see that the Lord is good. And through the power of Christ in our lives, we are called to add flavor to a bland life. And and God moves through us as his people for that. Another use that it has is preservation. Preservation. It is to preserve society. There need to be examples of people who stand for morality, who stand for doing the right thing in a land where it's whatever you believe. That is not what the scripture indicates. The scripture indicates that there is clearly a creator and there are clearly commands and there is clearly a savior and that there is clearly a way that leads to life and there is clearly a way that leads to death and we must Follow the truth. And thus that last part, it creates salt creates thirst. May we live in such a way that people are thirsty for more, for answers, for hope. There are many of you, my wife were talking about it uh, well, as a matter of fact, this morning she was talking about it at work, people that seem to be drawn to her, and she said. It must be Jesus. I don't know what else it is. You know what else it could be. People will come up. But it is true. Man, it's not about, <clears throat> well, how can I impress them? No. It's about just loving Jesus. It's about being real and just living for him. That's called being salt. And God will move in that manner through that. You know, the truth is the spirit and scope of exposure that we have it's up to God. It's not merely about us. The master chooses where to sprinkle us to make a difference. All right, misconception number two is that being an effective witness requires years of study and experience. You know, what's the excuse? I don't have enough training to be an effective witness. Um, I haven't been prepared to get out there And to do the word. We're talking about a little girl who hadn't had any specific training. Except what God had done in her life. Hmm. You know what? The same holds true for us. We'll never know enough. We're always growing. We're always learning. God doesn't expect us to be perfect. He expects us to be real and faithful. And to have compassion. And to have faith. And he will use us if we are simply available and willing to be used. So, I want to look at two truths that this little girl has modeled for us uh, that we can derive from the text. And the first one is this. Being an effective witness requires honest courage. We're told in, um, I think it's 2 Corinthians 3, 2, uh, therefore, since we have such a wonderful, great, awesome faith, we are very bold. When we look at Jesus, and we look at what we have received through the perfect work of Jesus, the blessings that are ours through the scriptures, it should create in us a boldness, a courage, because our Savior gave it all. He asked us to give. He asks us to be willing. He asks us to be available for his purpose. I can just imagine the conversation the family had with this little slave girl. probably went something like this. Whatever you do, try not to notice the blotches on his face and hands. Don't let him catch you staring. (laughs) Compliment his clothes or talk about the weather. But whatever you do, do not mention the word leprosy. And what about today? It is okay to be a Christian. I mean, after all, there is religious freedom. Okay, do whatever you want, but do not tell anybody else about it. What? The Bible says we are witnesses. We do have a voice. We do have a life, and that is to be used for the glory of God. It is not enough just to think people will see Jesus in us. There comes a time where we have to share the message of the gospel with others. I remember uh, years ago, Cindy and I were serving, it was almost more of a rescue mission type of ministry in Long Island, New York. And I worked at UPS in the mornings loading trucks. And, uh, man, I wore out a couple pair of boots, just wore the soles right off of them running back and forth. Well, there was this guy in the truck next to him. He was just the nicest guy in the world. And I thought, he's a Christian. And so I said something to him like, "Uh, well, you know, since you're a follower of Christ, and he looked at me and he said, I'm not a follower of Jesus Christ. What are you talking about? And God just kind of jolted me and said, do not assume where people are with me. Be my witness. Be ready to share the hope that you have in Christ. Be set apart for Him, and do not just assume where people are. Pray for them, and and be be bold, and bring up the message that saves, the message of Christ. And you know what? Before we can find healing, we have to know we're sick. So in other words, guys, uh, you know, we're so hesitant. To be honest with people. Now, I'm not talking about publicly ridiculing people. You know, you see this obvious problem someone has. I'm not talking about publicly, you know, "Ah, that person's a drunk, you know it. I'm not talking about that, guys. What I am talking about is loving a person enough to be a part of their lives and to say, um, Jesus loves you. He doesn't want you to live in this misery. I know you're not. There's healing that's available, and and uh, man, I just want to walk with you through this. But it does no good to just avoid it and say, "Oh, you know, I, well he's staggering right into the road. I'm not going to help him." You know, car hits him. No, it doesn't do us any good to ignore the sin. We have to find ways to love people in the sin, to walk with them in the sin, and that's that is tough stuff. So that's number two, to have heartfelt compassion. That's what this little girl demonstrated, and and that's what we're to do. We're to really care about people, and it needs to be more than words. It tells us in the book of James, do not love with words or tongue only, but with actions and in truth. And people need to see the love. A couple of verses here with compassion. 1 Corinthians 1.18 For the message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing, but to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. You know what? They may not understand you or get you at all. They may think you are a religious nut, that you don't have any brains at all. But I'm telling you, if you will honestly continue to live for Jesus and continue to love them and have their best interest at heart and a burden for them that God will get through. And when they need help, you know where they're going to look? They're going to look for you because you have demonstrated to them what love is in Jesus Christ to be involved. Another verse, 2 Corinthians 2.15. It tells us, for we are the aroma of Christ to God among those who are perishing and the smell of death to those who refuse to listen gospel to the power of Jesus Christ and then one more here uh, this is from 2nd Corinthians 4 3 and even if our gospel is veiled it is veiled to those who are perishing they are perishing and may God give us a burden to pray and seek guidance in how he wants us to move forward to show love to them and that doesn't mean ignoring them or ignoring the sin that is destroying them I want to close uh, with this story. Uh, years ago, an 11-year-old girl who lived in central Chile, she had become a Christian a few years earlier, and she had a real burden for her dad. Her mom uh, had died a year before that. And this 11-year-old girl, she loved Jesus, and she really wanted her dad to, but he, he didn't want to hear any of that Jesus talk or anything about god she would invite him to church he didn't have time for any of that stuff she was burdened and so she asked a a missionary any ideas what can i do and he had some little pamphlets and books and he had a little book and he said you know i think your dad might read this she goes okay and so as time went on the burden that she had for her dad she came to him and she had a little book she said dad will you please read this no, I don't have time. Well, well sometime today, when, when you take a break, we. no, I don't have time. I can't do that. Where is my lunch? You see, she had taken up the responsibility of preparing food and washing clothes and, and doing all those things uh, as he worked in the mines. And so she had prepared the lunch, but what he didn't realize was she had taken that little booklet and placed it in the coat pocket of her dad. Well, he went to work in the mines, And he worked long hours, and at one ten a.m. there was an explosion that shook the small mining town, and of course the community were fearful, they knew what that meant, they went outside, and the families of the miners, of course, desperate, hoping that their loved one would dug out of the mine and be okay as they began to dig the rubble away and there were some miners who came out and this 11 year old girl maria she kept looking for her dad she didn't see him this went on even to the next night they were still digging rubble out and then finally they came through and they came to uh, her dad they found him unfortunately there was no oxygen. He suffocated. There were eight of them. They were together. And I, I want to read to you. This is a from the article I read. This is a description from one of the searchers. As we were digging deep in the mine well, the ground gave way suddenly. Once the dust had settled, we saw the bodies, all eight of them, One of them had a small book in his hand, and it was open to the last page. With a piece of charcoal, he had scratched out a message. My dearest little Maria, thank you for putting the little book in my coat pocket. I read it several times, and all the other men listened. I did what the book says and accepted Jesus as my Savior. One day, we'll be together in heaven. I love you very much, Daddy. She had no education. She had no great audience to witness to. What did she have? She had courage. What did she have? She had compassion. And that's what God wants for us as well, to be faithful witnesses. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for your word. And and Father, if we are honest, We have to admit, Lord, that all of us are at times very poor witnesses. And, Father, we thank you for the example of this little girl. And, Father, I pray that you give me courage. I pray you give my dear brothers and sisters in Christ courage. Father, that we, Lord, may be bold for you. Father, not to be obnoxious, but to love. Not to force our way into people's lives. But to love them to a point where they see you are real. To be able to share clearly that our hope, what makes us different, is not that we're good people, but that Jesus died on a cross, was buried, and raised to life. And he has given me new life. By placing my faith in him, I am forgiven. I am you. And, Father, we want that message, that testimony that we all share because we have all come to life everlasting through Jesus. That is the only way. There's no other way. But, Father, other people do not know that, and they need to know that. So, Father, I pray that you begin to move in all of us that we might grow in that and become those type of witnesses, Father. And, Lord, I understand we go up and then we go down, but, Father, I just pray that I go back up. I pray my brothers and sisters at this time, there is a land that needs you. And God, as we think about a coming casino, and there's people going to move in our area that are not here yet, will they meet Jesus? Will some of them come in contact with Kingsway people who love Jesus? Will we be bold? Help us, Father. Um not just five years down the road. Help us today. Lord. Empower us through the work of the Holy Spirit to be who we are. So move among us, Lord, um, as this time of response invitation to you. May we obey. May we say yes. May we follow. In Christ's name.